Dr. McKnight, it's great to have you on Badge Educators. Welcome. We're glad that you can be here. Uh, we are talking to brave and daringly great educators doing awesome things in the classroom. My name is Heath Lumen. I'm in St. Louis, been a teacher for over 20 years, and I'm joined by my friend Penny. Uh, hi, school principal for the next uh, 20 something hours because I've been asked to go back into a school starting tomorrow. So it didn't last long, but you know, it is what it is. But excited to have you on board, Dr. McKnight. And um, Heath and I are looking forward to having these wonderful conversations with you as your former principal uh, to share how you just ignite that fire in the classroom. Just excited. Well, thank you, Ms. Foy. Thank you all for having me. It's a pleasure. I knew you were not going to stay out of the fold too long. That is your passion. <laughs> and so I know you need a little bit of just a breathing room, but I, I know ultimately you were going to get back on it. So I know you're going to do well. Only God brought me back. <laughs> well, one of the things we'd like to do before we get too far is just learn a little bit about if we were going to visit your part of the world, what's something that you would recommend that we come see like when we're in your neck of the woods it would definitely be worth our time to check this out uh if you were in my neck of the woods uh the first thing that i would recommend would be um that natural treasure that is the beach um that is one of the places that um, is very meditative to me at any time uh, particularly at sunrise uh, one of my favorite times to go uh, and walk on the beach but you know we also have other things there too so i would say go and partake of the um, variety of the delicious cuisines that we have at an abundance of amazing restaurants here in our area. You know, we have uh, some of the best seafood in the world. So uh, that comes from our local uh, ocean and river. So that's definitely, you definitely want to try some of the cuisine. Uh, we have good shopping, uh, outlet malls, shopping malls. Personally, I love the golf. Um, there's no shortage of golf courses here in the golf capital of the world. Um, I would suggest uh, for more adventurous individuals, some water sports like jet skis and uh, banana boat riding, parasailing, um, but other water activities too, like um, nice river cruise, deep sea uh, fishing excursion. I would also recommend the Brook Green Gardens, very beautiful gardens, sculptures, amazing area. So we have an abundance of things. That's just a, a few things that I would I would like to do and like to see if I were visiting this area. Okay. And that's in Myrtle Beach. That is in Myrtle Beach, yes. The Grand right. Strand. So we got 60 miles, 62 miles of coastline that stretch from Merle's Inlet all the way up to Little River. And so there's a lot to do, a lot to do there. And so you were talking about like going on river cruises though, too. Like I didn't know that that was a big thing to go up the river then. Yes, yes. We have we have lots of rivers here. We have the Waccamaw River, uh, we have the little PD River here in the area. Um, some black rivers, so a lot of little areas to um, to go and explore. Yeah, not just not just the ocean, but inland as well. I don't know if you recall. I, I'm not, I think you were with our team, and we actually went on a, a riverboat cruise for our staff development one day. Oh, the intracoastal, was, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that was great. Very fulfilling experience. Absolutely. I was terrified, but because I don't like the water, but they held my hand. <laughs> but got you know me that, on that, that boat. That really helped to build uh, a lot of um, 
a lot of good rapport between our colleagues as well. So I think that that trip was very good in, in, in rapport building amongst the group. So we have been talking to teachers that are doing brave and daringly great things because a lot of times teachers, when you just talk to them, a, a lot of them will say, well, what I'm doing is just kind of what I do. But teachers are really creative. They come up with great solutions, especially to different situations that pop up. So um, Dr. McKnight, we would love to know what is something brave that you have tried in your classroom and how it has benefited students. Also, well, give us a little bit of background of what you do as well. Oh, I am a speech language pathologist. I am uh, in my 25th year with Horry County Schools, and I work with students who have speech disorders, um, anywhere from articulation to fluency to language and also voice. Um, so the um, as far as being brave, I would have to say that I each individual kid um, that I work with, they all have IEP, so they are all unique. They all have different challenges that we have to approach. And so the one thing I, I try to approach as a holistic approach, and this is something that um, I've, I've done since I uh, have started and since I've been working in the school district, but I try to be uh, open, honest, and transparent with my students and try to share my experiences of receiving speech therapy services when I was a student. Um, you know, I try to be candid with them about the struggles that I faced, uh, the mocking that I endured, the, the ridicule and the uh, antagonism that I was subjected to. And I share that with them, not only to uh, empathize, but to also encourage them to not do the same to others, knowing how it feels. Um, I, you know, I fervently try to uh, remind them and inform them that they are not defined by their speech impairment. Rather, this is a challenge for them to embrace. You know, I try to be a beacon of hope uh, to help ensure them that in spite of their speech and language difficulties, they can rise above them. I always try to frequently point out to them uh, lessons that they are actually learning, even though they can't see it now. They are they're learning lessons, um, but they are also um, gaining fortitude um, by being faced with the different uh, or the particular speech and language challenges that they have. And many have a lot of other issues as well. So it's not always just speech for most of them. So, you know, they have a whole uh, whole realm of things that they're facing and, and challenges that they have to uh, address. I try to serve as an example of what they can accomplish too, coming from someone who has not only stood in their shoes, but who has walked many a mile in their shoes as well. You know, so my intent, or rather, I feel it is my duty uh, to always create an environment for my students that is nourishing, uh, free of judgment, and a bastion of learning. Now, remediation of speech and language disorders is my primary goal. That's the primary goal and my primary duty in my position. But I also believe that another paramount uh, mission is character building. Um, as I go about my daily activities, in my mind, I'm frequently uh, hear the refrain of, of the great basketball coach, John Wood Wooden, uh, who talks about the true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching. And so I try to instill in my students, I, I want my students to be successful in life. And I want them, I want to guide them towards a life of service. I want them to possess that internal desire to want to do good for others. Uh, and I wanted to grant them that intrinsic satisfaction. Um, I want them to embrace the model. I love, love thy neighbor as thyself. And that's something I want them to wholeheartedly embrace and live by uh, and as they go throughout their daily lives. 
Ultimately, my goal and my aim is to be a contributing factor in the shaping of virtuous, principled, and honorable students, which will in turn become adults of the same fabric. And we need more of that. So I don't know if that's being brave, but that is my holistic approach. And so, you know, a lot of people don't want to let the kids know some of the struggles and things that they went through, but I'm really open about that because I think that helps to guide them and, and help them see light at the other end of the tunnel. I'm having a flashback to a time when Dr. McKnight also serves three-year-olds. So we had this three-year-old kid, the mother, of course, hovering over the baby, which was understandable. And she was very afraid that her child would not want to go with Dr. McKnight. But he came around the corner, was, what's up, little fella? How you doing? And he looked at his mother and he looked at Dr. McKnight and he was like, bye, mommy. <laughs> Dr. McKnight's hand and just walked down that hall just as proud as he could be. Um, a stranger became a familiar in just a, a moment's notice. And that's the kind of rapport he had with these children. So Dr. McKnight, talk to us a little bit about how do you create that rapport, especially with the young males? And it didn't matter what their background, they gravitated towards you. Well, you know, coming from the background that I come from, uh, that is something that interacting with others, both, both my parents were educators uh, for 40 plus years. Um, but building that rapport is, is really trying to get to the heart of what is the basic thing that we all want. We all want to be loved. We all want to be shown um, uh, affection. We all want to be shown courtesy and respect. And so you, you got to try to find that one thing that you think will help you connect on that level with that kid. But whatever it may be, you know, sometimes you you might try a few things that might not work, but you try to target those things that you know are going to help um, get that kid's attention and build that rapport. And once you gain that trust and that rapport with that kid, then you are really able to target uh, those areas of, of weakness and delays that. And uh, I think that's when you really get to see the results. So you got to the key is not to just run in there and just start teaching them, but you got to build rapport with all of them. And then from that, that's a firm foundation. And from that, you can that can be your launch pad for amazing things to, to be developed. Is that you come in with this humble attitude of, I struggled myself. I, I would say, being the expert that you are, I mean, you, you're not called Dr. McKnight because you just kind of sloughed through classes. Like you, you know your stuff. You're pretty good at what you do. And yet your approach is to let students know that I struggled as well. Here's things that, that happened in my life that, that were hard. And so you build that rapport through vulnerability. That's, that's amazing. What, what led you to go down that path in order to to make a difference in students' lives? Well, one, I knew that I wanted to help others who struggled the same way I did. But also, I liked the fact that not only did the speech career, speech language pathology as a career, allow me to work with the students, I also liked the fact of... Um, being able to work in the clinical setting as well. So with adults and, you know, the octogenarian population, some of the elderly, that I like that I was able to have my foot in both of those. So that's a passion of mine as well, um, serving those. And so it, it allowed me to be able to, to work in both populations or across the spectrum in all different populations and still be able to do that same work. So it, it was something that when I was trying to choose a career, 
and consulting with my parents. Um, you know, I knew it was going to be something in education. I initially wanted to be a history teacher, um, but then I started to think about what were some of my other options outside of just teaching history. And so this allowed me to be able to work not only in the educational field, because this is my this is my bread and butter, but also to have uh, some some access and, and be able to operate in that clinical uh, field as well. Yeah. Has that vulnerability ever backfired on you? Um, <laughs> I would say people do try to take advantage of my kindness and niceness. And, uh, you know, sometimes they may not be so receptive. They just think I'm too bubbly. And sometimes you can actually, you know, sometimes people are maybe a little shocked that you can have somebody who is so vulnerable and sometimes they might not receive it so well. They're a little bit more skeptical of you. So it, it can sometimes, but you know, you, the majority of time you're going to get positive results. And so you can't let those few times that it might not go well, uh, deter you from being who you are and, and, and trying to uh, make a difference. So in the short term, maybe it doesn't go exactly how you want it to, but in the long run, you definitely make the difference run. that you're going Absolutely. for. Yes. Well stated. Father, That's you great. have transitioned from the elementary school level to middle high, correct? Yes. Well, you actually started there. So you've gone full circle now. Yes, yes. That's right. You've I came to y'all from the middle of secondary. <laughs> yeah. um, so I know that with both different levels, you still have students with unique needs. And Dr. McKnight, you are a role model for these kids. That's a lot of responsibility. Okay. And it's a responsibility some people don't want to take. You just want to get that check. And some acknowledge that, especially being a speech language pathologist, because your caseload can get crazy at times. It's very yes. How do you stay encouraged? How do you how do you encourage yourself? Well, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in the word. The word gives me a lot of comfort. So uh, definitely try to get some daily devotionals and some of those daily scriptures to help out. Um, my family is very supportive. Uh, being able to see even the most minor results and most minor progress from a kid just you know being able to produce a letter correctly or you know seeing one be able to to uh create a sentence some of the most smallest are you know be able to point to the picture that we wanted them to do to make a request just seeing even the most minute progress or minute change for the better i'm encouraged and so if there's even just a small amount of, of impact that I can see in the positive realm, then that keeps me wanting to stay in the game and to keep making a difference. In other words, just like you said, we celebrate it. We celebrate. <laughs> so just, uh, I believe Heath and I, uh, Heath will agree that you, we see that you have a passion for what you're doing. And there are many in our educational field, they either don't have the passion or they're losing it. What advice do you have to encourage them? What advice do you have to encourage others? Well, you know, I was, as I said before, I, I, was, I was conditioned and I was groomed out into this from birth. My, both my parents are educators. They both taught for 40 plus years. My dad finished for 42 years in public service. My mom, uh, 48. So... Um, looking at that and knowing that I had a uh, an intrinsic desire to want to teach just from and conditioning from when I, me growing up. But to others, I would say, you know, and, and let me just point out, my parents um, began, began their teaching careers during um, Jim Crow and segregation. 
And so we have come a long way since then. And one of the things that they have really shown me was the, and they, they continue to highly tout it even at this point in time. And we, we are both in the, you know, my, my brothers are all in the school system. We all do that. But they continue to highly tout the benefits of not only getting an education, but also working in the field of education. And so for some, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's a long journey. We've come a long way from that. And we still have an extensive and project and protracted journey to come before we actually arrive at equity in education. But working in the field of education, I feel is noble, it's fulfilling, and it's rewarding. But, and all the other cliches, you know, that we say, and it's true, they, they, it, it is all those things. But however, you know, for some people, it takes a bit more motivation in the financial realm as well for them to want to come over to the field. Um, but I feel in order that shouldn't, you know, in order to be a sincere and impactful educator, finances cannot be the primary metric that you take into account. Because if that were if that were so, you know, that would preclude many uh, from even considering it, because with the number of career options that provide way more handsome compensation than the school district does. So I would say one must dig a little deeper to find higher purpose. Uh, when it comes to public school service. It's unfortunate to say that we are not always the best compensated uh, for the work we do and all of the hats that we wear while doing so. But you have to take into account that we can all make a difference in a student's life from whatever role, from the teacher to the cafeteria, to the janitor, to the secretary in the front office. You know, what may seem to some to have a very small impact can actually have a huge impact on a child's life in the respect of providing them with self-esteem, uh, helping them to see their value and their true worth, helping them to find their voice, and helping to helping them to understand their place in the world, you know, and their value. You know, knowing that you had a positive impact on a kid's life should be so gratifying and uplifting and intrinsically rewarding. That should be something that you just get a good benefit from just internally. It don't have to be any reward or a plaque or, or a certificate saying that, or you know, somebody celebrating you. If you get that inner, that inner feeling, then that should keep you encouraged. You gotta be able to do that. However, I would also encourage those who do not have a true passion for it and not even wanting to make even an inkling of difference and don't possess that internal desire um, to make a change for the better in the life of a student, then they should by all means consider uh, reconsider their career paths, uh, exit stage left, you know, ultimately just, you know, get out with expedience because you could be doing more harm than good. You know, students have an innate ability to be able to, to discern if an individual really cares for them and has that genuine concern. But I firmly subscribe to the notion that we should aim to change a kid on the micro level by just helping them to develop strong character, goodwill, um, civic mindedness, and by doing that on that micro level, we in turn affect change on the macro level. So that larger scale, that macro level. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes uh, comes from Frederick Douglass. And I know you all have heard this many times before, but it's easier to build strong children than it is to repair um, broken men. So we got to start here at this level. And this is going to be the foundation that we want to do. I want to do everything I can to help guide them in the right direction. You know, I was a big student and study, um, studied the Mahatma Gandhi when I was growing up. And a lot of those quotes that stuck with me from him are, you know, a driving force behind the work that I do now. You know, the, the, the one that we always hear, be the change that you wish to see in the world. You know, an ounce of patience is worth more than a ton of preaching. And the one that I really has always stuck with me from, I don't know, age eight or nine, I always remember he said, in a gentle way, you can shake the world. 
And so in this little small, in that classroom with me and those three or one or two students in the group, you know, trying to shake the world up in that small, small way, but hopefully it'll have a larger effect overall, uh, holistically. I love hearing that. One thing when you were talking about teachers just having an impact and not always having the financial benefit for being the teacher, like you're not, you're not going to get rich and retire a millionaire by being yeah. a teacher, but you are going to have an impact. And there's so many people in corporate America that are looking for ways to make a difference because they have a deficit of of seeing like a purpose in their lives. And yet, I mean, teachers just exude like this is my purpose. I'm making a difference. I'm building lives. And yeah, I, I can tell you got a good hold of that and that you are just leaning into it. Thank you, Ms. Loom. Well, Dr. McKnight, is there one thing that has brought you joy in the last week? Uh, actually, a number of things, if you don't mind me sharing those with you. Sure. You know, my family uh, definitely brings me great joy. My wife and daughter bring me extreme joy on a daily or uh, even second by second basis. So they they bring me extreme joy. Um, I was recently able to attend uh, South Carolina State's homecoming. Uh, game with my 85 year old, my 86 year old father, and but also with my older and younger brother. So we got some good family time. Um, I was thankful that the good Lord provided me with the ability um, that morning um, prior to the game to complete a 5K. So giving me the health and strength to be able to do that. And I was even more joyful that after I completed the race and went home to my parents' house in Columbia, I was greeted um, by my 78 year old mother's uh, one of her fine superior um, home cooked breakfast. And so that was very good. I'm happy to be that. So I'm very blessed to have my parents um, to still be living and to be able to spend time with them. So, you know, that's something I get a lot of great joy from. Uh, I am joyful that I have employment. You know, I think back to a, uh, a old Oscar Wilde quote that I heard from a while back. And it says that one of the best ways to appreciate your job is to imagine yourself without one. So, you know, very thankful to have that to be employed. Just being able to work and provide for my family is something that I take pride in and don't take it for granted. Uh, I truly enjoy working with my colleagues. They bring me great joy as well. But finally, a source of pure joy and happiness for me are my wonderful students and, and being able to interact with them uh, on a daily basis. I told you not to make me cry, but you're, you're taking me there. You are taking me there, Dr. McKnight. <laughs> because I know what you say is so authentic. Because that's just you. Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> that is a lot of joy. <laughs> Holy cow. I had to get it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for getting it out. That's that's wonderful to hear. And thanks so much for being who you are and making the impact that you're having. That is phenomenal. This was great having you on, being able to share about you know how you make an impact, about being able to be vulnerable and being able to make a difference in students' lives. That's that's really great to hear. And I I I am blessed by being able to spend time with you. I know Ms. Foy has has had uh time with you before, but it's been great meeting you, and I'm so thankful that you're able to share with us tonight. Yes, much love to my fearless leader, Ms. Penny Foy. Ms. Penny Foy has been a great journey with you. I look forward to more interactions in the future. Mr. Lumen, you never know when we go, we might cross paths again. I thank you for taking the time to interview me. Yeah, I'm going to have to come check out the beach and some rivers. Come check out the beach and reach out. Maybe I can show you some, some other areas too. <laughs> and I'm going to share again with that quote you shared with us in a gentle way. 
you can shake the world. Yes, so ma'am. Keep it shaking. <laughs> <laughs>